If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. If you don't have a Bible, you can read on with somebody next to you. We also try to encourage you to download our church app. On that app, we have notes and some blank spaces so you can fill in and follow along and save them for future reference. Isaiah chapter 54. We're going to look at uh, the first 10 verses, verses starting from 1 all the way to verse 10, as we start off the series called Create Space. And I wanted to start off with a question that I want us to kind of think through a little bit. And I'm wondering, why is it that so many people, in principle, want to see growth, but in practice, they despise it? Think about that for a moment. That in principle, I think all of us want to see growth, regardless, wherever it is, growth in our lives, growth in our families, growth uh, just in our workplace, wherever it may be. We want to see growth in principle, but we disdain it and despise it with a passion when it comes to practice, when we have to really do it. If I could rephrase this question and put it in a form of a statement, it would be simply this. We all love it when things grow, but we don't like the pain and discomfort that growth caused us in our lives. The pain and discomfort. It's true, isn't it? When we think about growth, we love this idea of creating more space, but we hate the idea of doing things that come with this growth. Uh, Let me give you some scenarios to help us to kind of think through and say, yeah, that's me. Because I was kind of sitting there writing this up, and I said, yeah, that's me. So I'm, this, is, this is me. So I'm going to share what's really in my heart. So think about eating at a popular restaurant where you have to make reservations. There's no way you can get into that restaurant without reservations. So you made the reservation, and there are a few people that you're very close to, and you decide to eat with them. Then all of a sudden, you realize that there were one or two other people who wanted to join you. How will you create space for that person? It's tough. Sorry, dude, there's no more space. It's a table of five, not six. You know what I'm talking about? It's inconvenient. It's painful. You might lose that reservation. There's lots of stuff going on through your mind. How about another one? The holidays are coming up, and you're thinking about planning a trip with a very small group of close friends. And all of a sudden, as you're excited to go, you find out that there's somebody who's going to be all alone over the holidays. And then you struggle to invite them to come or not. I know this is no one else in this room besides me. Because then the thought becomes... We have it already planned out. We got the Airbnb, we got the hotel, we got all the stuff planned out. Adding another person, this person, let them be alone and have some quiet time with the Lord. You know, just let them just kind of marinate and soak in the presence of God. It'll be good for them. It's just hard. Like I said, in principle, we want growth, but in practice, it is very difficult. I think the reason why this is the case is because we all love comfort. And by nature, you and I, we are selfish and self-centered. Well, one thing I want to say is that we can't forget what church is all about and why we welcome all different types of people 
into our community. I want to show you this quick video, which is a spoken word that describes what the church is all about. And the words that this guy was spitting out, I was like, man, this guy is pretty good. To describe what church is and to invite people and say, welcome to church. As we think about creating space for growth, uh, I pray that it will encourage you. So let's watch this together, shall we? Let me say it again. Amen. Amen. Welcome to church. And I'm wondering if we can capture this kind of vision for what we're supposed to be. And the reason why we want to create space for growth. I'm wondering what would happen if we introduced people to a church like that was just described. This is something that I want to create space for. And I pray that this is something that we could all collectively desire to create space for. But I think sadly, too often we find ourselves, once again, loving comfort and love being complacent because we don't have to do anything. Why go through the pain? Why go through some of the hardships just to change so that others can experience it? Just think about it for a moment. You don't have to get to know any, any more people in your life if this was just it. We have no more space for you. That, that would be easy because, you know, we don't want to get to know any more people, especially you introverts. You're like, oh, my God, I'm dying already. They're always making us say hi to people around us. That's hard already. <laughs> you don't have to make any more investments because whatever you're doing now, it's good for where we are now. You don't have to get out of your comfort zone. We just keep everything the same. But what we forget is that by creating space, God is going to use that to change us, as well as change the people who will come in and experience his grace in this community. One thing that I'm learning over and over again is God is always concerned about the process and what we are becoming rather than the end results and even success. God is constantly trying to enlarge our hearts and help us to grow in loving people and welcoming people, the other, into our lives and into our community. That's why I love what Mother Teresa said. She says, prayer enlarges the heart until it is capable of containing God's gift of himself. That as we begin to pray that we become more like Jesus Christ, more love in our hearts, more grace to give, more willingness to get out of our comfort zone and take up our cross and follow him. And the more we're filled with God, the more we can give God as a gift to those others who will come as we have experienced his forgiveness and we've experienced his mercy and his grace. We're starting this three-part series called Create Space as we close out the summer season and we're going to be entering into this whole new season and it's going to come really fast in the next several weeks. And today I want to talk about creating space for growth. In the next two weeks, I'll talk about creating space for community and creating space for servanthood, what it really means to serve and to love people. 
So as you've turned to Isaiah chapter 54, I'm going to go ahead and look at this passage. And there are two things I want to highlight for us from this text as we talk about creating space for growth. The first thing is this. We have to understand that there needs to be this idea and this mindset of the preparation for God's blessing. It's about preparing ourselves to receive the blessings of God. Let me just quickly mention so that you understand how chapter 54 comes into this picture. Earlier in chapter 53 of the book of Isaiah, we see this famous passage about the prophecy of the suffering servant who was to come and to sacrifice himself to deliver the people. The servant is this prophecy, as many of you know, about Jesus Christ. And the key verse is found in verses 5 and verse 6 in chapter 53. Let me read it for us. And this is important because it describes the sacrifice, but also, more importantly at times, as we think about ourselves, is that it shows our, the humanity, our hearts of humanity. So listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 and 6. And I'm... Uh, 5 and 6, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that uh, so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. What a powerful reminder that describes his sacrifice that he was pierced, he was crushed, he was beaten, he was whipped, it says here. And the humanity, the condition of our hearts is that all of us, we are uh, rebellious, we have gone, we have left God's path, and we have gone in our own direction, our own path. We are the captain of our own ship, and we want to go where we want to go. And therefore God laid upon all the sins, all of our sins upon him. Now in chapter 54, the prophet Isaiah prophesies that there will be a couple of things that will happen. Therefore, we have to be prepared for the blessings that are to come. The first thing that he mentions is that there will be an exaltation. Let's go ahead and read verse 1. And I'm going to just read the first part of verse 1. It says this, Sing, O barren one, who who did not bear, break forth into singing and loud, cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. Let me just pause here and look at this passage, the first part of it. We see that there will be singing and loud cries of joy because the joy and the rejoicing that the people are going to experience. So once again, 53, about the sacrifice and the suffering of this Messiah and the rebelliousness of our hearts. And then in chapter 54, there's a change in tone that says that you will rejoice and you will cry out aloud with rejoicing. And you have to think about this. Why is this the case? The reason why there will be joy was because people were being delivered. They will be delivered from the Babylonian captivity. Now, those of you who might not know the history of Israel, one of the things you need to understand, due to the Israelites' disobedience to God, they were worshiping other gods, they were doing things half-heartedly, they were not seeking justice and truth. And in that rebellion, God used the Babylonians to capture them and bring them back to Babylon to bring as, as as a judgment of God upon his people and so that the people will ultimately turn back to him. Can you imagine what they must have felt as they heard this prophetic word? 
They probably felt some disbelief, but yet very hopeful as they believe that God will deliver them even though they realize they, they have sinned before God. And that's why I think it's a prophetic word for reminding us that sometimes giving God praise and exalting him before something happens, before we experience his blessing, is a reminder of faith. A lot of times we're so emotional that only when good things happen to us, we can rejoice. I'm wondering how many of us can still exalt and praise God even though we have not yet experienced the blessings that he has promised unto us. I think this is something that we have to learn how to do before the new season of ministry. It, it literally is speaking faith into our lives to say, God, we rejoice and believe by faith because there will be salvations this coming year. Father, I, I praise you because even though I don't know who's going to be in my life group, I believe that you're going to put the right people there so that I can minister to them and they can minister to me. I believe by faith that this coming year, with everything that has happened this previous year, and it might have been a down year for some of you, struggling with different circumstances and situations in your life, but you speak forth praises and exaltation, believing that this is God who works, not what we do, but what God is doing in our lives, so we can rejoice and say, God, we praise you in advance. That's what prayer is all about. When we pray these things and you say amen, let it be what you're saying is, God, in faith, as we pray for these things, in your timing, in your perfect will, we pray that it will come forth. So part of the preparation is learning how to exalt and praise God before it happens. The second thing that I want you to notice, not only will there be an exaltation, but part of the preparation for receiving these blessings is that there is going to be an expansion. Let's go ahead and read, starting from verse 1b all the way to verse 3. Listen to what it says. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your inhabitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. The prophet Isaiah continues with this barren imagery, as he said it in verse 1, O barren one. He continues in this imagery and says a very powerful prophetic word that Israel will be fruitful in having children. Now, once again, you need to understand the context. During the Babylonian captivity, the population of the Israelites decreased in size. But God clearly states that they, he's going to help them to multiply and enlarge them abundantly. In fact, God says that they will exceed all the children of those who are able to bear children. Now, since there will be an increase of people, the prophet tells Israel to create more space. In verses 2 and 3, the prophetic word of enlarging the place of their tents gives us picture of expansion and growth. Let me read it 
these two verses, two, verses 2 and 3, in other translations to give you some other insights. Now, once again, those of you who are new, you might not know this, but whenever you see a yellow, what do we do, church? Okay, read it together, all right? We're going to read it together. So if you see the yellow, that's your part, and my part will say it in unison. It says this in the New Living Translation, starting from verse 2. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Let's read it from the message translation. Once again, in the yellow, it says this. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. What a powerful word. As the population decreased because of the captivity, now the prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah says that you have to prepare because you're going to have to enlarge your tents or add additions to your home because you need to make room for your family, this family that is growing. Now, you could pause here and say, well, that's for the Israelite people. But I think it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul quotes verse 1 in Galatians chapter 4, verse 27. And he is using the spiritual principle. You've got to listen to me carefully. This is the nature of prophetic words and how it relates to us. The Apostle Paul uses the spiritual principle of God's blessings now to the context of the church. As God blessed Sarah who was also known as the barren one. And as he blessed Sarah and Abraham and then the descendants and the children that came after, so God will bless the church, even though it's just a small community. What a powerful thought. So Paul is expecting the church to grow as people will come to trust in Jesus Christ through the gospel message. And we can stop there and say, oh, that's only during the time of the early church. But let's fast forward all the way to Revelation. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, Alpha, in the NIV says this, and read it in yellow. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. A great multitude of people that we cannot even count. This is such a good reminder for us as a church, isn't it? Are we seeing things with this end in mind? Revelation chapter 7, where multitudes of people from every nation, tribe, language, they're coming together to worship Jesus. HMCC of Hong Kong, are we creating space for growth this coming year? And as I was giving this thought, all I can say is everything that has happened in the last four years is just by the grace of God. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it's only the grace of God. Go ahead and let them know. 
It's not because of a pastor. It's not because of a leader. It's not because of all these other things that we could attribute to, whether it's the giftings that they have or the things that we have implemented. But the bottom line is we are where we are today as a church only by the grace of God. And even though we started our church in 2015, we started off very small. And for whatever reason, in his mercy and in his foreknowledge and wisdom, he decided to take the small group of people and started blessing us. And not so much in numbers per se, but just blessing us in experiencing the gospel, being more fluent in understanding that we ourselves, even though we are saved, we still need the gospel. We still need to preach the gospel to ourselves. And through this whole process, what we have seen is that lives have been transformed. People have been people who have gone to church almost all their lives. As they've been part of community, they experience, wow, I've just been a church goer, but I haven't experienced this newness of life. And now their hearts are being awakened and lives are being revived and renewed. And when we see that, we say, Lord, it is just by the grace of God. And by God's grace, we have seen growth every single year since 2015. We have witnessed more baptisms, more transformed lives. We have witnessed the growth in reaching out to the different university campuses that started off with just two, but now we're reaching out to several others. And then we're seeing the city ministry growing. We're seeing more local Hong Kong people coming out, even though they always lie. All the local people are like, I lied? I cannot speak English very well. Oh, you liar. Once you get them going, they can speak really well. They're just a little bit embarrassed. But you speak very well. So I wanted to kind of visually help you to see this. Uh, this first picture here, uh, I don't know when it was. It was, I guess, Chinese New Year, right? Uh, and so this was our team that we started off our church with, and these were our original leaders who helped us out in the first uh, year. And then from that small group of people, then now our recent uh, uh, leadership team, we see the growth in this. That's just the grace of God. Another thing that we see here is that this was our first Sunday celebration. We used to have it right over here. I mean, that, that was it. At least the lighting was cool because it's a smaller space. But, I, I mean, we only had about 40, 50. I don't know how many people we had. We just met in that small little room over there, in that space. And then this was our, our recent uh, Easter Sunday celebration. It doesn't pan out as far, but uh, we just see people experiencing God over the last four years. Here's another picture as we think about growth. This was our first Harvest Games. Now, some of you who have, ne you don't know what Harvest Game is? Shh, we won't tell you. That's not very welcoming. <laughs> But ask somebody that you came with, and you don't want to miss it this year. It's going to be, mm, you don't want to miss it. This is where we really see the sinful nature come out of every person. It's where all the life groups come together, and we compete in different events and sports. And we realize not everyone is athletic, so we come up with some math problems, because then everyone is going to win, you know. So we got stuff for everybody. This was our first one. We only had two life groups. And then this was last year's. And we just saw so many 
different life groups multiplying and people experiencing community. Another one here. This was our first OCR. This is us. I don't know what we're looking at, but we're looking at something. (laughs) The next one is this was our last year's OCR. This is life. And I'm believing this year we're going to see a lot more. How many of you guys have signed up for OCR? Can I get a good amen? Amen. Those of you who don't know what OCR is, Operation Campus Reach, we're trying to reach out to the campus, but also we're going to reach out to the city as well. Maybe we'll call it Operation City Reach. I don't know. So uh, praise the Lord. So we're going to go ahead and reach out to the city with the focus ministry, single adults, even the married couples. And I'm sharing all this. I think this, we have one more, I think. One more picture. This was our first group of baptized people in our church. Some of them, you don't even know who they are. (laughs) There's one on the right that you might know. (laughs) But this was last year's in our both baptisms that we had in the winter time and the summer. This is why we create space. This is why we prepare. Because the blessings of God will come, not because we deserve it, but he's always about life transformation. He's always about baptism. He's always about people giving their lives over to Christ. He's always about reaching the lost. He's always about reaching those who are hurting, those who are feeling helpless and hopeless. And he wants us to prepare. And that's why we want to exalt him even before it happens. And we want to be able to prepare and expand and make room and make space for others. I am totally resolved. I, I, I had to pray. I had to ask God for just humility. I, I, I said, I am surrendered. God, if you want us to have two services, I, I'm yours. I, I hope that we have enough. We'll get more chairs to fill this out, but I don't know. But whatever it takes, we want to see more people come to know Jesus Christ. There are a lot of large churches. We're not trying to build another large church. We want to build a church where people are experiencing the love of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. And if that means more people will come, we want to make space so they can be part of our family. How about us this morning? Are you able to praise God in advance of things that have not yet happened, but you have faith that this is the heart of God so you can praise Him for that, you can exalt Him for that? Do you believe that in the upcoming season that God is going to grow our church? Not just in numbers, but grow us deeply rooted in the gospel and to love people and to love God. Are we prepared and ready for growth and the blessings that he's going to pour out? The preparation for God's blessing. Not only the preparation for God's blessing, the second point as we close out with this point is simply this. The promises of God's blessing. So as we prepare, knowing that God is going to work, We have to now understand the promises of God that comes with the blessings. In the following sections, you will see Prophet Isaiah use a marriage metaphor. This is important for many of you who might not be familiar with the Bible. There's going to be a marriage metaphor where God is the husband and the Israelite people, they are the wife in this marriage relationship. And the marriage occurred in Mount Sinai when God made a covenant with the Israelite people. 
And we see this marriage metaphor even in the other Old Testament books, such as Jeremiah, Hosea, Ezekiel, where you'll see this constant marriage metaphor coming up over and over again. But oftentimes when this metaphor is used, we see that God is the faithful husband while Israel is the unfaithful wife because they are worshiping other gods. They're committing adultery. But time and time again, God is faithful to his promises and he keeps his covenant. Let me highlight for you in the rest of this section, as we look at verse 4 through 10, there are a couple things that we notice about God's promises of blessings. When we think about God's promises and the blessings that come with what he has said, is that you have to first understand the unfailing affirmation. Here is God who does not change, and he is now affirming what is true. Let's go ahead and read verse 4 and 5. Listen to what the Word of God says. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. When we see the phrase fear not, it's normally a promise connected to it. There is a promise that is connected to the exhortation of fear not. Let me give you some examples. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It says, fear not for I am with you. So fear not. And then here's a promise. Okay, amen. I'm so excited. Some of you are just ready to preach. All right, fear not. I'm with you. Okay, you don't have to, but anyway, praise God. I'm so glad. I, I like it when it's uh, interactive. This is great. And then in three verses later, it says, do not fear I will help you. See, not, it's not even in the yellow. You guys are like, I'm on this thing. It could be in white. It doesn't matter. I'm on this thing. That's good. Fear not, for I am with you. So here's an exhortation. Don't fear, because I'm going to be with you. Here's a promise. And then fear not. Don't fear, because I will help you. A promise. In verse 4, though, we notice that after the phrase fear not, God gives clear affirmations of what will not happen. These are his promises. I'm promising you, like, I will help you, I will be with you. But he also says, I am promising you these things will not happen. So listen to the New Living Translation of verse 4. And here in the yellow, you can read along with me. It says, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Do not be afraid, there is no more disgrace for you, and you will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. The youth represents when they lived in idolatry. Remember when they were first starting off as they were released from a slavery in Egypt? They were worshiping God, but that as they were on this process and this journey, they started worshiping a golden calf. They started worshiping other gods in the land that they entered into. This was the youth when they were young as a nation. They continued to worship these other gods. So he says all the shame and all the disgrace that came when you were young, no more. And then you see this idea of widowhood, which represents when they were in Babylon captivity. 
And because of that, it's almost like God says, you know what? You're on your own because you have disobeyed me. You have not listened to what I've said. And so in that midst of feeling as if they are now a widow because they no longer have that husband, they understood the heart of God. Now, why is all this important? The reason why there's a strong affirmation on the promises of God's blessing is because of who God is. Verse 5, we see that God is the maker of the universe and the redeemer of all. It's not because we're good. And I want to try to break that in our mindset. So many of you who've been born and raised up in Asia or whatever country you're from, and I would say majority of the world functions in this way, even the Western mindset for some of us. Because we have been trained and conditioned, if I do this, then this will happen. If I don't do this, then this won't happen. How many times have you tried to study so hard, but then you don't get the end results, and it's frustrating? How many times have you put your mind to something, and you failed, and you feel as if you cannot do anything more because you feel like a failure, because you didn't get the results that you wanted to? That's how we've been raised up. And you don't change overnight because what happens is you bring that kind of works mentality, that human paradigm into the church. So if I have my quiet time, God, you have to bless me. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to do anything. He's God. God, I'm going to fast and I pray. So, Lord, you got to give me a partner. Like marriage by next year, Lord. 2020, what a good year. I, 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 perfect vision. I see you. 2020, Lord. No, he doesn't. On August 8th, 8-8, may I be prosperous. He doesn't have to do anything. Some of you who are like, what's going on? It's okay, it's a Chinese thing. The number eight is a sign for prosperity, especially when you flip it upside down. Some of you are still confused. Don't worry about it. Just, just remember four is bad, eight is good. That's all. Can you imagine what would happen if we trusted in God's unfailing affirmation of who we are in him and the calling he has for us? Not because of what we do or what we have done, but because of who he is. He is the maker of the universe and he is the redeemer of all. That's why the affirmations that are given to us as a child of God, it is unfailing because that doesn't change because God never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not only this unfailing affirmation, but I want you to see here as we talk about the promises of God's blessing is that there is this unwavering assurance. Let's finish off with verse 6 through 10. Listen to what the Word of God says. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you. 
but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Even though Israel was this unfaithful wife, the marriage metaphor, God as her husband will not completely abandon her. Look at verse 7 and 8 again. We see the phrases of, for a brief moment I deserted you, and also for a brief, for a moment I hid my face from you. You see those two phrases? God was purposeful in not responding to the people and leaving them in their sin. We have to remember that God disciplines us so that we would be brought to repentance and draw nearer to him. We see that it is with great compassion that God will gather them back. I want you to look at the word compassion. It is translated as to love deeply. It is so easy to forget about God's deep love for us. But the more we are unwavering in this reassurance, the more we will repent and turn to him. I'm wondering how many of us in this room are feeling as if God is far away or maybe not answering us. Maybe one of the things we have to examine is, are there things that he wants us to repent of and trust in him humbly? We live in such a success and results-oriented culture that we forget, once again, God is more concerned about our hearts. God oftentimes has to discipline us and bring us to a point where all that matters is our relationship with him and to those people around us so that when we are successful, it will not destroy us. Let me explain what I'm saying here. This is important. If your whole life is about success, then failure will devastate you. You talk to any parent who wants to see their kids go to an Ivy League school or a very good school, and they put them in early on at a young age to Kumon and all these tutoring. And when I hear how many tutoring and all the hours that go into it, all the money that goes into it, I'm like, you're going to get a really warped, you know, it's like somebody who's just doing arms and they have chicken legs, you know? It's, it's, it's just going to look really weird. Uh, it's like, you got to be more balanced. Like, you can go to the best schools, but still be a, a do nothing with your life. I hope you know that. Somebody like, yeah, that's my friend, or that's me. That's the truth. Just because you go to a good school doesn't mean you're going to be successful in life. Can I get a good amen to that? Why? Wow, it's so loud. And somebody you're like, yes, I have hope. I have hope. I've seen people go to other universities that are not so well known, but they're very successful in life. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this. Listen to me carefully. Whether you are a parent, whether you are working, whether you are a student, wherever you are, if your whole life's goal is about success, I'm going to tell you right now, when you experience failure or when you fall short, it will devastate you. This is the reason why 
God disciplines us so that what really matters is our relationship with God so that if we happen to be successful, it will not get to our heads, but we'll see it as a privilege. Listen to what A.W. Tozer said in his book, Evening with Tozer. He writes this, very insightful. He says, God may allow his servant to succeed when he has disciplined him to a point where he does not need to succeed to be happy. The man who is elated by success and is cast down by failure is still a cardinal man, a simple man. At best, his fruit will have a worm in it. God will allow his servant to succeed when he has learned that success does not make him dearer to God nor more valuable in the total scheme of things, end quote. Just because you're successful, just because we're seeing great results, doesn't make you any more special. What we should be assured of is his unfailing affirmations of who we are in Christ. His unwavering assurance of what he will do in spite of us. That's why in verse 9 and 10, the prophet Isaiah reinforces an unwavering assurance by reminding the people of his deep love for them. In fact, in verse 9, he mentions Noah and the flood from Genesis chapter 6. As God was faithful in keeping his promise to Noah, he will be faithful in keeping his promise to Israel in spite of what they have done. That's the same for us. In spite of what we have done, it's not about us that he will be faithful. Even though we're unfaithful, he will be faithful. That's why even in verse 10, we see no matter what happens on this earth, the mountains might be destroyed, everything crumbling around us, tear gas coming. Woo! Jesus. God's steadfast love will always remain and his covenant will never be removed. In fact, not only will it not be removed, listen, this is the, this is the gospel, listen to me. We see later on through the prophet Jeremiah that there will be not just a covenant that has been made, but he says there will be a new covenant where the people will know the Lord personally. I want you to read this. Let this soak in because this is God's truth for us. He says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. What a great promise that we're going to come to know God because of the spirit of God that's in us. So the covenant that God made, it's going to be a new covenant because of Jesus Christ. And that's why it's pointing once again all into the future where there will be a time when Christ, we will know Christ personally. And in, that's going to be in heaven in, in a deeper way. We can know Christ now, but as we, are, we see him and worship him in heaven, we see here for who he is. 
no distractions, no other disillusions, but we will see him for who he is. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3 and 5. It says, for the throne of God and of the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face. What an awesome thought. We will see him face to face and his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. This is the promise of God. This unwavering assurance, this unfailing affirmation. Can you imagine what that means for us as a Christ follower? As we continue to grow and experience more of God's compassion, I think it's going to enable us to love people and to experience more of his blessings. How about us? Are we growing and knowing and experiencing more of God's unfailing affirmation, unwavering assurance of his promise? What is it that you're afraid of? What, is, what are some things that are hindering you from believing in his promises? And as I mentioned before, this is the gospel where it simply says that you and I rebelled against God and we've been separated from God. But God in his love, his compassion, deeply loving us, he created space for us. Isn't that what Jesus says? I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place. Because he wanted us to be in a relationship with him so badly. That in spite of what you have done, no matter who you are, where you have fallen short, that God is creating a space for you so that you can come and experience his mercy and his forgiveness. And as we experience that, now we want to create space for others to experience this growth of more of who God is. That's why the one thing as we talk about the preparation and the promises of God's blessing, the one thing is simply this, that we must have confidence to believe that God's blessings are ours to receive. That we must have the confidence to believe that God's blessings are ours to receive. Not because of who we are and what we have done, but because of who he is and what he has done for us. Can I quickly give us some next steps as we close out with these Things that I want to, I really pray that in our church, we will not just be about listening and then forgetting what he said. If you listen to the word and you obey, you're going to see changes in your life. Don't be like that person that in the book of James says, you look in the mirror and then you walk away and you forget what you look like. Be obeyers of the word, doers of the word. So one of the first things I want to give as a next step is this. Let's invite others to experience our community. Can I get a good amen to that? Some of you are so scared, like, oh my God, I don't know what to say. I'm going to do thing. Well, that's a problem. I want to challenge you with this. If you have ever experienced anything good in our church, whether it's life group, whether it's just worship, or maybe just God's presence, and for you to keep that to yourself, you're not being a good friend. I want to challenge us to say, I have experienced the goodness of God. I have experienced this gospel, this grace. So take some, have some boldness. You don't have to be ashamed of it. But don't be that person where I always tell people, did you ever like have someone shine the light in your face? Or a laser? No. <laughs> okay, okay, let's just try to be neat. Uh, <laughs> it was a pretty cool light show, that, by the way. But anyway, uh, uh, have, you, have you ever had anyone shine a light in your face? I mean, it's just like overwhelming. 
And that's how we are sometimes with our friends or our family. We're like, you're a sinner. Jesus loves you. It's like, bang, and they're like, whoa. No wonder they, they don't respect you. They don't want to come. But what I always tell people is, hey, like, come here, Grady. Let me, let me use you as an illustration. He's in darkness. He's wearing black. So instead of being like, pow. Okay, he's, here we go. If I have a light in my head, what I'm doing is I'm shining it forward. So that he, as we're side by side, he can see what's in front of him. Does that make sense? It's better than shining it right at him. You shine it at the path. Thank you, bro. You shine it at the path so then they, they can see where the path is. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Just take some steps and say, I want to invite somebody this coming week. We're going to start a whole new series even after this series. And uh, it's going to be encouraging. We're going to be sharing the vision in, in, in about four weeks or so. Uh, we're going to start life groups again. What a great opportunity to make space, create space to invite people to come. The second thing is this. Let's interact with people outside of our circle. Come on now. Some of your circles are really tight because it's just you and that person. It's boring. Some of you have a triad. Okay, i, I got to stop. All these puns. <laughs> this is not good. I don't know why I just, the pun anointing is a mom upon me now, but uh, I'm just kidding. Lord, forgive me. Okay, let me focus. <laughs> Some of you are going to, you just love your little circle. Like, expand that circle. Interact with people, and that's what we've been saying. That's one of the beautiful things about the summer is that you get to actually meet people that you will never meet as you're in different life groups. Even on Sunday, what a great opportunity to meet people who are new, people you haven't even seen, you haven't even talked to, get to know them. And who knows, they might be your future spouse, so you never know, so praise the Lord. Third and lastly, let's intercede for a new facility. This coming year, this is going to be one of our big prayer requests. That in order for us to create space, we want to be able to have a facility that we can actually come together as a church and to minister God's love to one another and to other people. And I, I just realized that I haven't been as purposeful. I just, it's the back of my mind. So uh, this coming week, this past week, I had, uh, I had a couple meetings, and I, I, I was on, you know, what do you call that, the, the blue line. And, you know, I was just thinking as I saw, like, the different things pass by, I go, what would it be like if we actually had a facility to meet in, like, Wan Chai? or Admiralty, or Central, where the action is, where the presence of God is. <laughs> I said, this would be so awesome. So you know what I started doing? Like every time I, I'm on the train, even though I'm not even going on the blue, I'm just looking at that, mm-hmm, that's ours, Lord. Give us a space right there. I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I wasn't pointing at people, but I was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I'm being serious. I, like, I, I really want us to start praying for a new facility. We want to create space. One of the things that we've noticed is that new families come in. But then for their kids, we don't have a space for them. And so I want to be able to create a space so even when families come, it could be more family-friendly so we can minister to the whole family. College students, you could, we can meet in the bathroom and we'll still love it. Like, worship Jesus, you know? But I'm telling you right now, we want to... 
create space for many people who are yet part of our church. I pray that you and I will begin to pray for that. I want to close with this short animation film that depicts the joy of generosity, of learning, okay? It's okay. I, I didn't notice. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's all right, brother. It's okay. Someone actually stepped in and said, man, turn out. It's okay. It's, it's all right. See, one of the beautiful things about our church is uh, we're always trying to train people. And when you're training people, you know, little hiccups come along the way. And that's okay. Because if we said, like, that's wrong, then once again, it's a works mentality, human paradigm. So how, how should we speak the gospel in this situation? <laughs> we are all flawed. And we fall short of the glory of God. But the grace of God. <laughs> anyway, I lost my train of thought. We're going to see something. I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> the generosity of God. That once you experience that, you want to create more space for others. Enjoy it. And we'll come back up and we'll close out in some worship. Let's do that. There's nothing more. Uh, let me rephrase it. A boring life is a life that is lived for themselves. A life that will implode and you won't experience the blessings of God when you live for yourself. But there's something that happens when you begin to think about all that you've experienced, all the goodness of God in your life, and you know that you don't deserve it, but God is good, and that he has been fighting for us for all these years. And as he has blessed us in so many ways, I wanna challenge us just to think about where you will be right now if it hadn't been for Jesus using people, using circumstances to reach out to you. Some of you will be so lost, so hopeless, without any sense of purpose or direction in life. But you're here because that is by His grace. And this is the reason why we can live the life that God has called us to live. And when we think about that, we cannot keep this to ourselves. We want to share it with others. And when you see the blessings of what, from your just obedience and response to God, what can come out of it, joy will start filling your heart. And that's why I want to challenge us just to think about and to believe with confidence the things that God is promising to us. And it's ours to receive if we will just trust in him and say god this is your word and we want to create space this coming year it's going to be uncomfortable you're going to have to get out of your comfort zones you're going to have to welcome people that maybe you don't get along with as well you might have to invite them into different things that you would rather do with only a few close friends but you're saying god, i cannot be selfish because so many people lonely feeling hopeless struggling who've never experienced community before. And I want to be a part of the solution because I have the answer in Jesus Christ. 
I want to challenge us to make that our commitment as we invite people, intercede, and even wanting to come and let's let's believe by faith that he's going to provide, whether it's a facility, he's going to provide everything we need, the finances, so we can do other things. I'm going to believe that by faith because this is the heart of God. So can we just pray together? Let's just bow our heads for a moment. I want to pray for us. I also want to invite some of you who have never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can do that today. You've been coming out to our Sunday celebration week after week. You've been going out to life group, but you've never made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is just make a simple statement and say, Lord Jesus, I've fallen short of your glory, your standard. I'm a sinful person in need of saving Thank you, God, for sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins, that I could have life. And you'll be born again. Those of us who are believers, I want to challenge us to never forget the chains that we were in, never forget the slavery to sin that we were engrossed in, the lostness, the hopelessness, let's never forget. May that be a reminder of His great love, that in spite of what we have done, He saved us, He rescued us. And now we want to rescue as many people as we can. Let's create space this coming year, a lot of space, because there's 7.3 million people in this great city of Hong Kong. 7.3 million. And we want to see every single person bow their knees and worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation gathered together. Lord, enlarge our tents. Build an extension for our growing family, the family of God. You can only do it by your grace. Can I ask just to have us just be silent before him? Listen, let's listen to his voice. What is he speaking to you about? Maybe this coming week to invite somebody to come and experience. Maybe take someone out for dinner or for a coffee. Touch base with some people so that you can slowly reconnect and then connect them to our community. Maybe you know some people who have real estate or resources, I don't know, and you're like, oh, this might be a good place. Talk to us. We want, we want to believe by faith he's going to give us something. Let's believe it so we can minister to not only the students, but the single adults and the families, the kids. Let's create this space. Listen to him. And then we'll just worship, respond in prayer, and close out here. Let's do that. Can we do that just for about a couple minutes?